0: But a call somebody. Research and development. Putting
1: in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup.
0: Can I tell you something without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Mm -hmm. Welcome back in everybody! Another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast coming at you right now. Episode 27. As always. The big guy, the teardown king, nutted coming at you right now. Happy to have you back in. Please, 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 if you guys are listening to us, rate and review on the podcast. Helps us out so much. And without further ado, let me introduce my main squeeze. You know him, Adam, at etm 4 chess on Twitter. What's going on, big guy? You ready to do this?
1: Mike, ready to do it, man. Let's get into it. We got another best ball deep dive. It's gonna be a fun one, man. I'm really excited for the deep dives of best we're getting into.
0: Yeah, man, we talked last week, we talked about floors and consistency and building a championship roster with turds. And I know the biggest pushback why we're doing that whole episode is,
1: but Mike, what about spike weeks? We're well, gonna go look into spike.
0: Yes, I'm going to look into spike weeks and I have looked into spike weeks. So I'm here to present you the dynasty degenerates and adam with the spike weeks case and then we'll uh get into our findings and how we want to build a uh, a roster so you ready to dive into some of these spike weeks adam love it man dynasty degenerates here we come let's get into the spike weeks let's go so i will start right off at quarterbacks and this is kind of the uh most complicated one <laughs> the absolute most complicated one so josh allen's a stud i use the uh the same ones as last week too the uh hypothetical trades right let's okay. keep it consistent yeah. across the board sure jo- josh allen spiked a whole shit ton so let me just get into first let me describe how i define spike weeks so I, I i peruse the internet and the best i could come up with would be top five for quarterbacks running backs and wide receivers and then top three for tight ends right because there's only 12 everybody else has got 24 in superflex. so yeah If if you're if you're going to be counted as a spike week, you had to hit top five for that week. Unless you're a tight end, then the uh, the requirements are top three. (laughs) No one gives a shit about tight end five. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, if you're not, I think
1: that's a good that's a good um, basis because if you're not top five, I mean, are we really going to call that a boom week? Like, I don't think you can just say wide receiver one. That's not really a boom. I like top five.
0: The only one where I'll make like the slight caveat where I'm willing to look at like top ten would be for quarterback because of the super flex position. And generally, top 10 quarterbacks score a shit ton. So, it's just so much of an advantage over having, you know, some random wide receiver in your super flex spot, right? Uh, A top 10 week from a quarterback is much better than a wide receiver 24 week from (laughs) your fifth string wide receiver. Like, it means so much more to you.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. The top 10, I mean, the top five quarterback points week in and week out are going to be really, really high.
0: Yeah. They're going to be massive. So, Josh Allen stud absolute fucking unit <laughs> he had one two three four five six seven eight and nine spike weeks last week last year wow
1: that, that that's higher than i would have expected honestly
0: yeah uh ranging from 37 36 29 29 21 actually got him into a top five one week so this is just random uh not random generic four point passing touchdown scoring player these are all pulled from player profile the actual points per week so 36 31 23 trevor lawrence absolutely none and zero (laughs) damn spike week at all last year wow okay jones one (laughs) one josh allen far outpaced that package so while i might be able to make the argument on the floor of the package and the consistency I, I can I can tell no lies and make no damn argument about the ceiling of Josh Allen versus a package of quarterback outside sure. of other studs.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not going to sit here and act like Josh Allen still isn't an absolute beast. Nope. Um, I think the big argument is more so he only equates to one spot versus two. maybe two spots. Yeah.
0: But he does spike hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, when, speak- but when
1: when <laughs> yeah. when Josh Allen goes off, man, he's going to hit you in the
0: teeth. All right, so let's look at another quarterback that we did, uh Jalen Hurts, right? And he had a good year last year. Um, he only had 3 spike weeks Adam. That was kind of interesting to me. 3, 28, <laughs> 26, is, and 31. That is interesting. I would have I would have
1: guessed that those two were closer in boom weeks.
0: That's what I would would us as, would have assumed, but uh nope. <laughs> so, uh Jared Goff, uh Daniel Jones, and Ryan Tannehill. Goff had one, 29.9 Danny Dimes, he had one, 29.5, and Ryan Tannehill had zero. He had a couple sixes, no top fives. No top <laughs> fives, okay. Out. He just missed it. So if you were just looking at that package, though, like, man, I got the much better floor, I would assume, with Goff, Dimes, and Tannehill over Hertz, and, you know, I'm missing out on one spike week. Right. I'm okay with that. Like, that's yeah. fine to me. The Josh Allen one, it was like, nah, like I, there's no possible argument. I can even make that. This is close nine to one. <laughs> sorry. sorry.
1: Now, now, Jen, that's the other crazy thing with him with Josh Allen is nine of 17 weeks, man. That means yeah. over half of the weeks he was giving you a boom. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. So then I went and I did it by top 10 weeks, right? Just so I could look and I can get like kind of a more fair assessment for the superflex. but I understand if people don't want to take the, the data, right? You, you said. Top five, I get it. I get it. But let's look at top 10. So if I make that threshold top 10, Josh Allen's got, uh, again, nine. So he's either top five or not top five. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's the way he rolls. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, two. And uh, Mac Jones hit five top 10 weeks. So just, just for reference, like what top 10 would be for Trevor Lawrence, it was 22.7 and 18 points. Uh, Mac Jones, 22, 20, 21, 19, and 22. So you're still in that 20-point ballpark for a top 10 week for a quarterback. Not too shabby.
1: Not at all, man. That that's I mean, th- that does tell you, though, that even though Lawrence and Mac Jones are not in the top five, now they combine for seven top 10s. So yeah. not quite the boom, but they're not like really bad when you talk about seven top 10 finishes between the two of them.
0: And I, I will take that back to uh, Josh Allen, if I look at just top 10. He had one extra week, so 10. 10, 10 out of seven, okay. 10, yep. okay. Uh, J- Jalen Hurts, if we look at him, he had 10 as well. 10, t- 10 top 10 weeks. Wow, that's hard to say. Who knew? 10, 10 top, top 10. 10 weeks. My bad. Top 10, <laughs> top, My, top 10, top 10. Vodka's kicking in. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared Goff had three. Danny Dimes had two. And Ryan Tannehill Tannehill had three as well, so you're looking at total between the package of three guys. Well, we got eight. Sound like eight, yeah? Eight to Jalen Hurts is ten, so a little closer. Still probably favoring the one guy, but then you know we take into account floor. Not really a question for me, but we'll we'll touch on that later. Like kind of what I feel should be the optimal strategy in these leagues. Uh, one other exercise that I want to do with the quarterback spots, I took the top five guys. And I just put them all in one thing. And then I took everybody last year who was in that back-end QB1 range. So, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> it sucks to say Jimmy Garoppolo, but in points per game, he was in that back-end QB1 range. <laughs> like, top-end QB2, which is fucking gross. I'm sorry. Wow. It's horrible. Yeah. As we found out today, nobody wants him. <laughs> nobody wants. Somebody him. even wanted Baker. Yeah, but San Francisco wants him so they can get the comp pick when he walks next year. That's that's, that's it. I guess
1: that's exactly right.
0: Well, we touched on Josh Allen, so this is just looking at top five weeks. But like Justin Herbert, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, Surprisingly, man, you, you know how good Tom Brady was last year. He had eight, eight spike weeks. Top five. Way to go, Tom Brady. Kyler Murray only had three. Only three. 34.6, 35.1, and 30.8. Outside of that, he never touched top five again. Uh, Mahomes, uh, down year for Patrick Mahomes. He had five. And then if I look at these guys in the back end, Kirk Cousins, one week. One week of top five. Mr. Consistent, but not Mr. Boom. (laughs) Matt Stafford, he had five, surprisingly. But he also had some absolutely atrocious games. You remember when we we're calling yeah. Matthew Matthew Goff,
1: Matthew Goff. Yeah, I mean, but th- I could see that though. That's interesting yeah. though to, to know that Matt Stafford had more booms than did Kyler Murray last year.
0: Yeah, really, really kind of interesting there. So, I again, I don't know how sticky this is. I just wanted to be fair and just go off of last year for everybody. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he had one. So. I will generally say, overall, looking at the quarterback position, though, it looks like the stud quarterbacks are much more likely to boom than just kind of the mid-tier guys, which sure. I think is probably a fair assessment of the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I think I think that, that's pretty accurate, right? The, the mid-tier guys, like you said, Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins is going to keep you in plenty of weeks, but he's unlikely to finish as the Josh Allen, the Herberts, the Staffords when they go off, and... Five quarterbacks going off every week, it's probably going to be more of the studs than the mid-tier, low-tier guys.
0: Yeah, uh, last point and then we'll move on to the next position. I just kind of want to look at like how hard some of these guys spike. So Justin Herbert had a 42.8 week. I think I remember that one. Um, in the bomb squad, we have a little bit more juice scoring for the quarterback as long as you're not a turd and taking a lot of sacks and throwing picks. Is that versus Cleveland? Uh, week 5, so I believe so yeah i remember in bomb squad he went for like 60 something (laughs) in the juice scoring there um Allen never broke 40 and it doesn't look like anybody else was so herbert was kind of the runaway far and away like biggest boom one week smash
1: league yeah that was that was uh that was versus cleveland 47 to 42 i remember the game
0: oh yeah nice shootout so just for a little bit of context there, everybody else, you know, usually booms in about the 30 range. <laughs> Except Justin Herbert. He's got them locks. All right, John running rocks. backs, Adam. Now we get a little bit closer and a little more interesting. Jonathan Taylor, RB1 last year, right? Uh, seven. Seven boom weeks. 31, 28, 34, 24. Uh, that 53.4 game. <laughs> that That one definitely won somebody a week. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> 24.3 and 23. Uh, the package that we had for him was Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette. So Aaron Jones had two, and Leonard Fournette had three. So coming close on the package to Mr. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor of Boom Weeks. And these aren't like turd Boom Weeks either. 41.5 for Aaron Jones in one week and 44.1 for <laughs> Uncle Lenny, Mr. Fowl. F- Two hundred and sixty pound Lenny, or whatever he is now, that people want to make fun of him, man, put forty four, forty four fantasy points in a week. Come on,
1: put some respect on his name, man.
0: Yeah, he deserves it. All right, the other trade that we had: Dalvin Cook for Tony Pollard, Clyde edwards hilaire and J.D. McKissick. You remember that turd one? I'm, I
1: remember this one very vividly. I'm very interested to hear about the boom weeks of these uh, gentlemen. Dalvin Cook, one boom week. One. Wow, that actually. Pittsburgh. That 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 really speaks to Dalvin Cook, because I, I think most people would say Dalvin Cook is a absolute boom guy, right? And he didn't
0: show... Had it. one. And he, he had, had one. one. Uh, wow. The entire package, one from the entire package, and it was assigned to Tony Pollard. So they matched him. We showed how consistently the package would have been more beneficial to you for a higher floor last week. And this week, I'm showing you that the package booms just as much as Mr. Dalvin Cook does. Because <laughs> Tony I, Pollard had one and Dalvin Cook had one, so they're equal.
1: I, I'll say I was, I'm surprised Dalvin Cook only had one, but I'm not surprised at all that JD McKissick or CEH did not did, hit a boom weight last did not year. Have one yet.
0: Okay. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah, pretty did easy good. for me to get. <laughs> Wide receiver position, Adam. Jamar Chase. And uh, the package of Allen. Keenan Allen and DJ Moore, Jamar Chase had three boom weeks, and we all know the last one, Week 17 championship game, 55.6. That's a hell of a boom yeah. week for a wide receiver. Yes, no denying that. Keenan Allen had one, and DJ Moore had one. 22 for Keenan Allen, 32 for DJ Moore. So DJ
1: Moore did. DJ Moore had a 32 point game with, I mean, Sam me throwing the football. It felt like. <laughs> I remember watching so many of those games because I have a bunch of DJ Moore like if anybody else was back there, like he's OK. Just horrible.
0: Yeah. And the breaking news today, Baker Mayfield's now back there. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? It's, he, it, it,
1: it's hard to say, but I, I can't imagine he doesn't start based on how horrible their quarterback play was last year.
0: I don't know. I saw the tweet, too, today where they said that uh, the Panthers had actually given up more to go trade up to take Matt Corral than they gave up for Baker it's Mayfield. For Baker Mayfield, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so who knows? <laughs> uh, Devontae Adams, highly consistent. I think we touched on that last week. And I'm pretty sure everybody would say he probably booms. He had uh, five last, last year, five boom weeks. And they're all over 30 points. When he booms, it goes over 30. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's the other thing. He...
1: When he did boom, like he was in that, that w- league winning for those five games. Like he was putting up 30 plus, maybe 40
0: points yeah. in a couple of those games. Uh, 31, 37, 30, 33, 30.6. 30. And that's in, is that a full PPR or half PPR? Full PPR, I believe, is what player profiler scoring goes off of. Okay. Maybe half. But I, I'm no, pretty sure. E- either way, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's full PPR. Okay. I, I don't. I don't want to misspoke. So L- let me say I'm like seventy percent. Okay. <laughs> so Got it. Let me take the cop out. <laughs> I like it. I like it. i I take the cop out, like in case somebody comes on and comments on Twitter, like, "You, you're wrong." Well, I did only say seventy percent. Got to build in the back not,
1: door. Not e- hundred percent. Either way, uh, he he boomed five times and had really good weeks those five weeks.
0: The consistency package that we had for him last, last week was Christian Kirk, Tyler Boyd, and Brandon Cooks. Now, combined, those three had two boom weeks, 24 points from Christian Kirk and 29 points from Brandon Cooks. So if you're a Brandon Cooks fan, that also came with Davis Mills. So giddy up to both of those boys.
1: Yeah, very much so. Wow. Brandon Cooks, man, he sneakily consistent. Always a... Top like 15 ish wide receiver. And he, I think what's lost with Brandon Cooks, the player, I don't want to get too much off the track here, but Brandon Cooks, the player, has had so many different quarterbacks, Mike, and has consistently
0: been consistent. Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. Consistently consistent. (laughs) It's like magically delicious. Magically delicious. (laughs) There's a show title right there. We got it 17 minutes in. Consistently consistent. Oh man. All, All right. right, let's keep going. Tight end position. Travis Kelsey or the package of Hunter Henry and TJ Hawkinson. So Kelsey had six boom weeks. How uh, one of them was a forty point game. Week fifteen. That's pretty impressive yeah. from the tight end. This isn't like tight end premium scoring either. This is just you know, <laughs> PPR. Mike said PPR. <laughs> Mike,
1: if you remember week fifteen, that was that um he had an insanely long touchdown that he broke a few tackles. I'm yes. sure people thought he was going to go down and then he ended up having like a I don't know, something 40-50 plus yards touchdown, which was is that an massive for a tight end.
0: game too. Like I feel like it was. Oh, you
1: know what? It might have you might be right. I'll pull that up while you keep going into the I, stats. I
0: felt like he was on a tear and then it went to overtime and then he scored like the game-winning touchdown as well just to add insult to his already on a tear game. Yeah. Uh the package of Hunter Henry and TJ Hawkinson, also, they had five, five between them. So nineteen or 20 for Henry, 25 one week for Henry, week 15 also, interesting. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, remember the early, the first two weeks, over 20 points both. 26 his first week, 21 his second week, and then a 19-point game at the tight end position. So s- not too much surprising for me that even though like the elite tight ends kind of give you a little bit of advantage, that If you kind of just package some of these other tight ends in with touchdowns and the way the tight end position is in general, maybe the packages, you know, spike just as often as the studs. Maybe not as hard. I don't know how many people are going to get 40 point games. (laughs) Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews are kind of different breeds when it comes to that, but for sure, there's an example for you.
1: Yeah, by the way, week 15, that was versus the Chargers, and Travis Kelsey had a 34-yard touchdown to win the game in overtime. That was the, the one that everyone's remembering, and yes, it, Mike, you were right, it was an overtime, so extra time, and he went off in overtime with a 34-yard touchdown to make his 40-point week.
0: I'm good for something around here, right? I got the random, absolutely, just memory that sticks in my head. Like, I thought he he scored that in overtime to win the game, (laughs) something like that. I don't know, whatever. I don't know how I know these things, but and
1: instead I get him doing, you know, COVID the next week (laughs) when I need him.
0: (laughs) Well, those kind of memories never uh, never amount to anything. Just random parts on this show because I'm sure my wife would love if I could remember like anniversaries and birthdays. (laughs) Yeah. uh, for
1: something guess. for something more important in the real schemes of life, but we, yeah. we got those locked up, man, locked in the bracks.
0: All right, Mark Andrews or the package of Dawson Knox, Cole Komet, and Tyler Higby. Mark Andrews boomed six weeks last year. Also man. a 41 point game, week five. And that was versus Indianapolis. Hmm. I don't remember who it was before, who uh, who it was against. Jeez. Jeez Louise. Uh, but I do remember it being in bomb squad and somebody went in a week because of that one for sure. Yeah, I it was
1: versus yes. Indianapolis. They came back. Remember, they were down huge and Lamar brought them back and uh, Andrews went
0: bananas. Oh, my. Uh, the package of Knox, Komet, and Higby, the only one to boom out of there, Dawson Knox three times. Hmm. So about 50% of what Mark Andrews did. Cole Komet and Tyler Higby never hit top five at any given point during the week, but Dawson Knox did. And what does Dawson Knox do quite a bit? Because he isn't getting buoyed up by the number of catches. <laughs> He's getting buoyed up by touchdowns.
1: He's getting touchdowns on some of those nine Josh Allen boom weeks.
0: I do feel like every time I ask a question, which I already know the answer to, like I need to do the Brian Windhorst, like <laughs> put my fingers in the air and then look up. I think I could fit. Other than I like, like it. Wendy doesn't have a beard, so I don't really fit it too much. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, All right. so let me just move on to the last two trades that I got dunked on for, and we did the meet tweets segment about, but let's see how they did in spike weeks. So Andrews, we just touched on six spike weeks. I got a package of Ertz, Cooks, and Josh Jacobs. I got three spike weeks out of those guys. So one from Ertz, one from Cooks, and one from Josh Jacobs. And then the JT trade, we touched on him. He had seven spike weeks, and I got a package of Gibson, Mooney, and Myers the whole package. I got four spike weeks out of those guys. So two from Gibson and two from Darno Mooney. So not I like too it. bad. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Adam, to me, my biggest takeaway was we know that the studs spike more and they spike harder. It just wasn't as much as I thought. Like a lot of these positions outside of quarterback, I think you can get relatively 60 70 percent of like spike week production from just a package of good starters just just good ones adam do you when i read that off is was that kind of your takeaway like looking at all those positions like quarterback for me definitely was the one where i was like okay like i see a clear distinction between elite quarterbacks and just the everybody else's right but man, even at those other positions, like the Jonathan Taylor's, those elite running backs, especially at the wide receiver position, um, they just don't—they don't seem to like outpace the rest of the field as much in spike week production for me.
1: Yeah, I think, like one of my big takeaways when I think about the boom weeks and also the floor. Um, how many of these guys are really like wide receiver twos, running backs, you know, that are actually gonna make your lineup and certainly help you win a week or get a better floor for the week? I, I think there's a good blend, right? But I think the probably the big two takeaways from here are one, the lineup narratives that people have in their minds, and it's just that, you know, all you want these studs and the difference between a stud and some of these mid tier guys in trade value is so widespread, right? So you have that that you can play off of. And I also think there's a balance, though, of... Like, I think you really want to get crusty when you can and when you are can afford to. But I also think, like, you do want to have a blend. I don't think you want to have, you know, too many because you're not going to have enough depth. But you want to have some studs that can still boom, right? You still want to have a small amount of a couple studs, two, three studs, but you really more than anything need to have so much depth backfield to keep giving yourself more shots at making your floor higher.
0: I think ideally let's just start at the quarterback position for roster construction for a win. Now best ball team, like what my ideal one would be at the quarterback position. I either need one of two things to go my way, Adam. I need an elite asset one for sure. Mm-hmm. And maybe a couple of good assets, so uh, a Kirk Cousins, uh, a Tua, and <laughs> ideally I would love to have just like that fourth shit lord thrown in there. You know, a Danny Dimes, a Jared Goff, a Marcus sure. Mariota. You know, if Watson's suspended for the whole year, a fucking Jacoby Brissett. Just give me something. In the-
1: Another the longer dart, but is quarterback starter so that you have chances?
0: The other option at the quarterback position, which I'm comfortable with, I would agree, though probably doesn't score as many points um, between the superflex and the the starting quarterback position year long, but still gives me that floor that I desire, where I'm not going to have a bad week at either spot. Would just be five anybody with a pulse who's fucking has a job that's starting, relatively safe for starting. So again, like the the golf, you know, maybe a, a Baker Mayfield, uh, a Tannehill. Um, Daniel Jones. Um, I'm trying to think of some other turds in that range. <laughs> you could just... Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan.
1: I mean, yeah. Carson Wentz Carson even. Carson Wentz. Yep, Carson yeah. Wentz.
0: Like, just somebody with a...
1: Hell, now after the circle. trade, Baker Mayfield.
0: Yeah. Uh, Davis Mills. Yeah. Just somebody with a job. I'd like to have five of those guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I
0: could so, I could get behind that, too. So, either I'd like like one stud and then, like the depth just to go with the stud because i would like that that spike week production that week winning production or let me get five of these just miss, and i'll just go with the five miss. i i i, I kind of want to stay out of the middle where you have three matthew stafford types like i don't know how much that really is going to benefit me because i'm still going to have those negative weeks and i'm still in danger of having to start like uh you know a, a my fourth or fifth or sixth flex option entering my super flex because i only got three quarterbacks and they're not that consistent in general and like i'm just playing spike weeks i don't want to be that volatile so five turds gets me to super consistency but without the spike weeks and one stud quarterback and just three other dudes gets me to that perfect blend of spike weeks and consistency so for me that's where i would be at with a quarterback you anything different that you would do there at that position?
1: No, I think, I think that's a good point. I, I think the reality too, when you go, went through some of the numbers, right? The Josh Allen, Justin Herbert types, they're, they're week in and week out kind of give you a ceiling that's different. Like that's probably true, right? So if you can have one of those guys with some depth elsewhere, like that does give you an advantage there. I think the reality though, Mike is, if you have the correct roster construction and can afford that, I think that's probably actually optimal, but the reality I think is part of the allure and the intrigue for me in the crustier or even like you said, you don't really ideally you don't want that middle tier, but if you're one of those two, the reality of why I have that Mike is because I have a lot more depth and I'm backfield yeah. and all the other positions. And I think this is one thing for me, especially in best ball, Mike, that needs to be considered. Um, so I know in best ball, there's so many different op- options because every player can slide in and out of your lineup at any spot, right? You're just going to get the optimal score in week in and week out. But like when you're talking start nine, start 10 best ball, those boom quarterbacks, they're going to make a bigger difference because in start nine, there's only seven skill players to make up the difference, right? But when you get to start 11, start 12, start 13, now the difference in those two quarterbacks can be so much made up for by the skill players in those other spots.
0: Yeah, that's huge for me. It's it's also lineup size, and I'm stupid for not mentioning, too. the, uh, The studs for me, if we're just looking at the quarterback position, become even more important in smaller lineups because I want that advantage over people more and more where exactly if i just get a 20 point week for my super flex spot and like a start 12 or start 13 if i make it up versus other people's third fourth fifth flex option i'm fine with it like i'm gonna win that week i'm gonna beat you out just with consistency and the high floor if it's a lot more condensed and you only have like one or two flex spots and your super flex adam like I don't have as many chances to beat you out on a consistent basis week to week where I do agree with you. You still want some depth. Uh, I don't think you want to go all studs and duds, but you, you definitely, especially for the quarterback position, in my opinion, just the way they spike and how hard they spike, and start nine at them, I think I might even want two two studs i I want the the scott connor approach i want the the two top eight quarterbacks and then let me just find something with a fucking pulse to, to back these guys up but give me the two start you know the two studs
1: yeah yeah I, I fully agree and um i think that's a good a good example of like just understanding hey if it's a longer starting roster right if you're start 12 start 13 you get crusty, and you might think like, "Man, it's so gross." Because I, I'm rolling out week in, week out. Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, and company. But what you're doing there is you're just having a floor that's safe enough to where you're not losing significantly at the quarterback two spots there. But then you're probably going to win in the 10, 11 other spots on your team when those long rosters. So. Those are just little subtle points, especially, to think about.
0: The last thing that I'll touch on there, I mean, kind of while we're on the quarterback and we're on this this topic of lineup size, Adam, is uh, the reason I think it's such a conundrum, right? Because in most super flex leagues, 12-team, 14-team, those weirdos who play 16-team Superflex like Mad Men, <laughs> just absolutely fucking insane. But in those leagues usually the quarterback carries the most value that's your most valuable asset to what we like to do down tier right adam like that's the one that's going to carry the biggest price tag these are the guys that are going at the beginning part of the first round these are the ones that everybody wants and these are the ones that are the most scarce
1: absolutely man absolutely The,
0: the problem becomes like if that's your most valuable asset to get the depth that you need like, you got to walk that fine line where, man, I need depth, but I also need the studs. But, man, if I can't get the depth, then what good is the stud? You know what I mean? Like, people people clutch and hold on to Josh Allen, and it's like, just fucking down tier, man. Go to Matt Stafford and pick up another running back and pick up a wide receiver. Even in, like, start nine, I think if I need the depth, depth is going to be the priority at the quarterback position more than the stud but ideally like a perfect scenario if i can get the depth without having to trade josh allen and justin herbert patrick mahomes kyler murray joe Burrow, those kind of guys i'd love to do it but i just want to put that caveat out there that those are the positions those are the guys that carry the highest probability of you being able to get the depth that you need in best ball to win
1: yeah i think that's a really good point mike um kind of to carried that a little further right so if you're in those shallower start nine start ten let's call them for the sake of argument right now yeah and, and you do have one of these stud quarterbacks and you are wanting to utilize that strategy which we've just gone through and said that it can be optimal league winning for you on the quarterback side I think what is really a good takeaway from these two episodes Mike for me if you're going to try to do that like, this might be the opportunity where you have to take, okay, if I'm going to ride Josh Allen types and make that be my advantage, what I also probably need to do is really lean into some of these really gross moves. Okay, my top running backs. I'm going to trade them for three to four pieces that we just went through in the running back and wide receiver room especially are very much more replaceable with mid-tier, crusty guys. You could even, I mean, that that one deal, make like, is a smash except everywhere, I don't even think you have to go that low of McKissick, CEH, yeah. Tony Pollard, yeah. right? You, yep. can, you can utilize the advantage at quarterback and really get crusty at running back and receiver to try to make that push up. And then vice versa, like you said, if you're not going to utilize that quarterback big boom week and you want to down tier from Josh Allen, you could pretty much probably down tier to a... Let's say somewhere in that T. Law, Lance, Fields, Hurts, Matthew Stafford range, right? Yeah, pick up a yep. piece or two, and then, like we just talked about, man, you could probably then down tier that again and get two or three more studs. So, like, kind of understanding if you're gonna play the, the positional advantage at quarterback, really get crusty at the other positions, and if you're gonna down tier at quarterback, go ahead and get reel in the muck and make sure the other positions are, are, are good too. So, but in start nine, start 10, you need to have a little bit more studs than just a start 13 type. For sure.
0: All right. So the running back position, Adam, I think anybody who's considered a, uh, a stud, you know, our favorites the Taylor, the Swift, the Najee Harris, the Javante Williams, uh Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, those type in best ball, I'm just looking to down-tier them all I can. Like, I, I don't want any part of them. Not that they're not great players, and, you know, I, I don't love them. But I'm so much more comfortable just playing in that midfield to crusty range. So, give me Aaron Jones and Fournette and Zeke and uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, give me the, you know, the, the J.D. McKissick, you know, as toss Give me the Naheem Hines, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, like... Ramondre Stevenson, like the just these kind of guys. I'm so comfortable in playing there that if I've got any of those elite assets that are still carrying it and based on consistency and the high floor, that's the right move. And now when I look at spike weeks, these elite studs aren't booming as hard or at a significantly greater rate than some of these midfield guys. So if I can get a couple of them and just t- toss in a satellite back who might have a 30-point week because he catches a shit ton of passes, I'm cool. Like, you take the Jonathan Taylor, I'll go to the Crusties. I'll go to the guys that, that nobody really likes on a competitive team. Now, long-term, Adam, value-wise, not the greatest move because the Jacobs of the world, the Aaron Jones, the Zekes, right, they're dying assets Nobody gives a fuck about satellite backs. Nobody gives a shit about Tony Pollard's of the world. But kind of what we touched on last time. Sometimes you can just stack these best ball teams to some point where your floor is so damn high. And now that we kind of showed you the, the spike weeks are pretty similar that you can almost lock up a title, right? I'm not gonna say guarantee because nothing in the world's guaranteed, but make your odds extremely, extremely favorable for you winning the money. And ultimately, Adam, that's what I play for. Like, I I love value. You and I love value. We love to talk about value and what's the value moves. But shit, man, at the end of the day, I love money in my bank account a lot more than, oh, I won the trade on value. No one gives a fuck. No one. I want the money.
1: Yeah. I I think um, the other thing too, right? When you start thinking like, we do both auction and startups in Best Ball, right? So when I'm thinking about like the... Startup side, I think as much as I love tapping these running backs early, a lot of times for sure. Um, yep. That's our move. Even st- even still, like I'll do it in best ball. But I think like what we've talked about is, you know, if I can get out of Najee Harris types, um, De- uh, DeAndre Swifts, Javante william types, Brees Hall types for two, three assets that are legit, whether it's picks or players, like that are legitimate assets. I'm Lean doing that, right? But I think where where I'm really intrigued, though, still in best ball, Mike, is what I consider the value guys at running back that I think still are being drafted too low, right? Okay. So, like, yeah. you know, like these later type 4th, 5th, 6th round type guys, right? The Barkleys, the – as much as I don't – as much as I think his ADP is getting pretty high, the ETNs, the um, Cam Akers, the Antonio Gibson. Gibsons, right? GK because – Because the interesting part about that, though, is, Mike, I think the reality that we just went through with the running back is this. One, those are guys that are younger and we still like and probably are going to give you comparable boom weeks and help your floor, and you don't have to spend the premium up high. And on top of it, like you just alluded to with Ezekiel Elliott, with Aaron Jones, with some of these guys, maybe they are a little better for a season, but, man, like... When Zeke dies, if he's on your roster, like, he's already, what is he now, a seventh-round pick? Like, when he dies, it's going to be over. Like, you lost all that value. Same with Jacobs. Like, these guys you might be able to ride for another two, three years and still have that comparable points per game and boom week out of them. So I think that's where, like, my my big intrigue is for the running back position in best ball.
0: It's so strange, too. Uh, we were, We were just talking about value, right? Like where's value? Where what what's the value you may die out? Adam, if if you take away names and and actual P and you just trade for picks in a startup. So Jonathan Taylor goes at the one oh five, right? Kenneth Walker's going at the five twelve and Antonio Gibson's going at the six oh two. Like if I told you I'd trade you my one oh five for your five twelve and six oh two, I don't think there's a damn person in the entire world in a startup that goes, nah, 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 I'd rather have the fifth and the sixth. But Adam, I'm telling you, man, looking at it for best ball, even for value, for scoring points, for building a, maybe a multi-year monster, like a two, three-year one, man, give me the Kenneth Walker and Antonio Gibson side all day. And the crazy thing is you could ask for more and get it. You could get a shit um miles sanders who goes in the ninth tacked on or a tony pollard or or something like that and people won't bat an eye at that kind of deal like they'd be, oh, it's just jt i gotta fucking trade all this for jt man just give me the the three shots and these are young guys too i'm not even getting super crusty i'm not taking the Zeke's or the aaron joneses or the Leonard Fournettes, like the guys you you were talking about, who could just fucking die next year and and be absolutely worthless. Nobody cares. You know, they're Le'Veon Bell, they're they're Todd Gurley, their career's over. No one cares. Um, yeah, it's interesting to me that that the narratives around these running backs have pushed them down because of the lineup thing. But in best ball, man, they make them highly appealing because you ain't got to start Kenneth Walker, you ain't got to start Antonio Gibson, you don't got to start Miles Sanders. Uh, that's what best ball does for you. Like <laughs> When they go off, they go off, they're in your lineup. And if you got all these concerns about Brian Robinson stealing carries or Kenneth Gainwell stealing passing work for Miles Sanders, doesn't matter to you. Doesn't matter. You're playing the numbers game.
1: Yeah, I think you know, Mike, um, I think this is a good transition to kind of something that's not necessarily into the um what do you want to call it? The points per game floor versus boom and bust. But like this is something we talk about on You know what we want to do with our teams in 4D, and we talk about direction so much. And I think one of the big intrigues for me, Mike, in best ball especially, is listening. Whether it's lineup or best ball, like if the if my league mates are presenting facts and picks that are saying, okay, they're trying to go win, like I'll pivot to rebuild. And if it's vice versa, like we talk about being flexible, I'll go to the contending. Now, when you go to contending right away off of a startup, I think what we're getting into here is like if you pick that direction, like you kind of have to throw sometimes some dynasty value out the window, uh, like you alluded to in your bomb squad, right? Yep. And yep. and you kind of have to say, man, this guy is not going to play all year, and it's fucking gross, but like he's doing nothing for me, and I have to if I'm picking the contending side. I'm trying to win now. So you got to lean into that. Now, conversely, Mike, this is where it gets interesting for me. Part of my intrigue with rebuilding in these best ball leagues is this, like this information has not been out to a lot of people. And a lot of the best ball, especially with like sleepers new. So when I get in a startup, okay, like what we're just alluding to is asset multiplication is absolutely advantageous. So, I take my flexibility in my picks if I can't tear down to futures, right? But if I'm trading away my first-round pick and I go rebuild side hard, so if I trade away a Najee and I'm getting two firsts, even if you don't get the second back, let's just say it's two firsts, right? Which probably is low for someone in a lineup league, but you just get out for two firsts there. And you get out for you know a, a youth piece and another first, and you keep multiplying assets, Mike. Like, even if it se- seems gross, because, like, all right, you know, if you take a bunch of picks in a class, some are going to bust. But here's what happens if you have that rebuild side for two years and you keep multiplying assets, like, we're talking about some of these deals and some of these points per games where it's like, man, I'm, I'm putting all these crusty guys in and I'm winning. But what happens, Mike, and I've built one already, where you have 20 plus guys that are top. 12, 13 startup picks now. Like, dude, yeah. you're, 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 you're talking about now, okay, The like we said, if you go compete right now, right, you probably have a year or two window, maybe three, if you play your cards right, where you get crusty and you just beat everybody off of that. But then it's going to die. But if you go the other way, man, you play your cards right, you could be looking at something that's going to be really hard to beat and you're youthful. So, like, it's in best ball, if you have multiplied 20 legit assets, man, that's going to be a team that's really tough to beat. We just went through all the numbers on why.
0: I think that's huge, man. You can you can find your edge on the the win now side by going crusty and coming off of studs, you know, maybe you take studs early and then trade them later or are you do it in the startup? You are kind right. of locking yourself into that direction, though, where it's like, I have no interest in these these darts, these projects, these, you know, the, the fucking rookie tight ends. I don't want a damn one on my team. Uh, I'm going to stay away from rookies in general outside of, like, Brees Hall. Like, I, I just don't want to touch them. So you are kind of picking yourself for that. But, Adam, you touched on it perfectly. The other one is the nuclear rebuild. The one where you're not tied down to assets and you just put it in liquidity. You put it into picks. You put it into, I'm going to cash this in when I feel like it. And, and you you can take all those guys that people are avoiding. Like, oh, Amir Smith-Marset, I don't want anything to do with it. What if he pops this year? He's just sitting under, but you don't care if he does anything this year. But if he does, great. Maybe you trade him for a second round pick next year and you just add more liquidity to it. And then maybe you take some of these rookie picks at him and you maybe you make some of them for the ones you like, but then you can cash the other ones in. You can go, man, I've got so many of these assets right now. This team feels primed. Let me go buy a Zeke for this early, early second. Let me go buy an Aaron Jones for a late first. Let me go buy this Carson Wentz nobody cares about. I'll toss him a second and a fourth round pick and he'll gladly get off of him because he's gonna go into rebuild. You can just go and make all these purchases with all this liquidity you have, like you have carte blanche to just go pick and choose all the crusty guys no one cares about. And pretty soon you're looking at a roster that's got five quarterbacks and seven running backs and 10 wide receivers and five tight ends. And you're like, nobody's going to beat this thing. Like it may only win this year, <laughs> but I've guaranteed the title. Like there's no way this thing's coming down. I yeah, need like exa- 15 dudes to get hurt. Before this thing falls off the rails. It,
1: it, exactly like that's one of the things about best ball that's so interesting because like you know if you're in start nine lineup mike we both done it where it's like okay yeah. you have all these really nice pieces but i i have seven headaches every week like who do i start who which one of these studs that's supposed to be on someone other team that's on my bench am i not gonna start right for sure and you and you have the headache of who you're gonna play and what um, so ultimately you're just trying to up tier and up tier and up tier now in best ball. Like if you do that for two seasons and like you said, you're, you're looking at all your depth and you have studs and youth, like you, you can, you can make a few moves even because you're so deep with youth. Hell, I'm going to go play off the panic of everyone who's trying to rebuild. Cause I've already rebuilt and took in all those really good assets. Now I can say, okay, you went off Aaron Jones, here's here's a second, right? Like, here's a youth piece that's okay, but like Aaron Jones helps this team move the needle to winning. Now, you, you, you can basically leverage so many things, and when you get to the point where you're saying five quarterbacks, seven running backs, eight wide receivers, four or five tight ends, I mean, it, it would take... It is significant, significant, significant bad luck and injuries to demolish that team from winning. Like, you can do that if you rebuild it correctly. Now, here's the thing to, to think about. People start listening to this. People start playing in more best ball dynasty leagues, right? And they start realizing, man, asset multiplication is where I can get in trouble, right? Like, if I went and bought some of these guys at the lineup price, and I'm paying two first and a second for a player, almost, mm-hmm. period. Like, you're going to burn your team doing that. You cannot really, man. Like, if you're doing more, like, if you're doing, if you're sending more assets than you're getting back, you probably need to have a significant value gain on your side to take less assets. And if you do that too many times, I don't even care if it's value gain for you, you're not going to have enough depth in best
0: ball. There's only three. Four guys total in fantasy football right now, dynasty football, Adam, that in a start nine, start 10 best ball league, I would pay market price to go acquire. Like, period. Like, I mean, market price to go acquire a stud, like four elite guys cowpits Pitts at the tight end position, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and a fucking list. As much as I love Swift and Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris and Jamar Chase is dope and uh, Justin Jefferson is dope, I will not pay market price for those guys. But the positional advantage that the elite quarterbacks, which we showed in the spike weeks, and just general consistency that they have, and then a guy like Kyle Pitts who's just such a damn unicorn at the tight end position who can really just turn into that Mark Andrews but 21 years old right (laughs) the next five six years of your dynasty team so yeah those would be the only ones i'd consider it but let's look at the wide receiver position quick and then we'll hit tight ends and then bounce out of here but wide receivers i would say through consistency uh high floors and now looking at spike week as adam the least valuable position in best ball the one that i care the least about because it is so damn highly exploitable just by sentiment of market so what I mean is, why pay a third round startup pick or startup pick prices for a guy like Jalen Waddle when Darnell Mooney in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, wherever you end up getting him, will give you the same return, the same amount of spike weeks, the same kind of floor, literally the same age. Now, the value's not there, but he's arbitrage Jalen Waddle. And, and the wide receiver position for best ball especially is just littered with these these like clones with three, four, five round discounts in prices where I'm like, I don't want to fade them until the uh, the 11th round like I did last year. You know what I mean? The zero wide receiver strat? No, that was horrible with Kadarius Tony. as my wide receiver one. But I've moved on from there where I'm not going to get the top three, top four, probably not top five startup. Wide receivers, round wide receivers, but give me all the dudes I can get at six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 at a discount. And then let me backfill with some Tyler Boyds and Jacoby Myers and, you know, Alan Lazards and these guys who are like double digits, nobody gives a shit about. So that's where I'm at with the wide receiver position. I think it is the least valuable in best ball unless you do some crazy like juicing the scoring settings to like bring them up. And anybody who wants to say that, oh no, jamar chase is still valuable no no i'm sorry man like i look at spike weeks sure he had the 55 one but i could probably find just like some random isaiah mckenzie we talked about damn near 30 fucking points for me and Bob squad and he's a waiver wire pickup so just just give me an abundance of decent guys i i don't want anything to do with any of the studs none of them they would all be off my team even even the devontae adams the old ones the uh, I'm good. Let me just move on to Keenan Allen and get some other piece as well.
1: So so Mike, this is interesting. Um I, I don't I want to hit on the wide receiver point, but I think really the reality is this format actually accentuates and puts it more to right now in our minds why we do the fade wide receivers till later. Because there's an abundance of them so much later in this yeah. deepest yeah. position, right? So I think really when you think about it, Mike, like for me, okay, you're talking about like if, you, if you're in a startup, okay, and let's say it's one of these where the trade back isn't happening, right? So I'm not able to get out of these. I'm not able to go from 112 and go get a fifth and a seventh and a plus or whatever like that. Those aren't happening. So you have to sit there and you have to make your picks. For me, even with all this discussion, Mike, like to me, it's those first few rounds, like if I can get pits, yeah, even in best ball, I'm still in. Outside of probably him, like I'm gonna wait on tight end. Wide receiver, I'm gonna wait on wide receiver. So as much as we say, like, I don't want that tier of Najee Harris, Javante Williams, yeah, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, like if I'm in those first four rounds. I might touch Kyle Pitts. And outside of that, it's quarterback and running back for me in those ranges. Because once I get to five, especially in the six, Mike, and best ball, like you give me, I'll just go the the last of all around. You give me Hollywood Brown, Darnell Mooney, Juju Schmidt Schuster, Brandon Ayuk, Kadarius Toney. You're talking about, like, if I just tap all those guys from that point on, like, I'm great with that lineup start of wide receivers where listen I think I think you could make the case in best ball that you could also string along we, we went through it some of these Tony Pollard Clyde Edwards-Alaire types you know but mm. I, I still in this format feel so much it, it really rings true that I want to get these wide receivers later like if I couldn't trade out like I, my thought process is still take the quarterbacks and the running backs early in best ball
0: I think, too, that there's probably, man, and this is just kind of a random guess, there's probably like 36 to 40 running backs total that are just worth a fuck and not just outright trash, nobody nobody wants, you know, waiver wire fodder, something along those lines. And outside of that, it's just, nah, like, I'm good, man. Like, this dude is probably nothing.
1: Here, that, that, that's actually a pretty good guess and number. I'd say is probably accurate because okay, so even at like running back thirty nine, Chase Edmonds. Best ball. I'm 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 still intrigued enough. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But running back forty, right? You get to the Michael Carter, Tyler Algier,
0: No. Ronald
1: Jones. I'm good, man. James Robinson, nah. Brian Robinson, uh, TDP, Zamir White. Like we're drafting Zamir White and TDP in the top fifty and like they may not even have a role in, in this season. Correct. They just
0: may be flat out zeros. So for like multiple I think, weeks. I think that's now, another really good point, Mike. Go ahead, sorry. Now now the contrast is go down to like wide receiver fifty five, fifty six. Like add another okay, 15, 16 on there. There's guys in there that I still have interest on that'll actually score you points. Shit, you could probably go down to wide receiver sixty. Plus Mike, I was just gonna say
1: Go to here. Wide receiver seventy-three. This is just a random one. It's not based on any knowledge I have of last year. I don't know if you have it in front of you. If you could pull it for us, Tim. Wide receiver seventy-three is Tim Patrick. Yep. How many boom weeks and floor weeks did he give? Can you get that for us? Like just yeah, for
0: let me, let me pull old Tim Timmy Patrick up here and see what he did last year. Now, because
1: you're drafting him in the sixteenth or seventeenth round of startups here.
0: Let me just go by his game log. So thirty-eight. Okay. He had a grand total of zero spike weeks, but he had one, two, three, four, five, six weeks above average. Above average at starting position. For Tim Patrick at wide receiver 73. You're not even going to come close to that at running Running like 45. Nah. Nah. (laughs) Like, they're just dead. They're zeros. They're probably not playing.
1: Yeah. Period. It's 100%. I think think that's a great illustration. I I didn't know. Like, I figured he would have made some weeks. But there you go. Six above average weeks from a guy that you're drafting late, man. Like, this is when people start having a hard time figuring out what they want to do. Right? Because it's so late. And... It goes to the point that I was trying to get to, Mike, with wide receiver, kind of the discussion we're having now. Um, If I'm starting to draft my receivers in the fifth and sixth round and I go from there, like if I have Hollywood Brown and Juju Schmidt-Schuster and Darnell Mooney and Brandon Ayuk and those types that have some boom weeks, like I can just backfill with Tim Patrick's who are going to give me six above average replacement weeks. Like So I think that's a strategy that's, really drives home what I'd like to do in a startup in best ball format.
0: I would say, too, this applies a lot to tight ends. With the caveat of cow pits and maybe like, like the Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, if you can get those guys at values, right? I don't want to pay above market price to secure them. Like, there's other positions I'd rather go. But outside of like that group, if we just make it like the elite ones, like, you start getting into the Hawkinson and the Goddard and, the you know, some people got Albert O up there and Pat Fryer. Nah, I'm good, man. Let me just fade the piss out of this. Wide receivers and tight ends, I think, in best ball formats outside of, like, the caveat for tight ends, I'll just fade those dudes until the double-digit rounds, right? And give me all the Gisekis and Cole Komet and Dawson Knox and Fance and Albert O's and Evan Ingrams right. and Tyler Higbees and Hayden Hurst and Hooper's, like... Let me just get five or six of these fucking guys, and uh, as long as they're not Hunter Longs, (laughs) they're not Jelani Woods, they're not these guys that we like long-term in Dynasty, but probably ain't doing shit for you. Like, I want dudes who got roles on their team, and you know, like, you look at the consistency guide, I'm gonna need like three, four, five weeks from you. (laughs) That's it, just give me a nice floor, be a tight end one, be above average, I can roll that out every single week and be completely happy as long as I'm not taking zeros at the tight end spot. So if I can get 12 points from you, great. I'll move on with my life. This is
1: a good discussion. Um, I don't want to take too much time because we want to get out of here in a reasonable hour, but like, all right, tight end. If, if it's a startup and we're doing best ball format, Mike, if I'm in a startup now, this is not an auction. Cause I think there's two different strategies for me here. Yep. Uh, um, if it's a startup, I'll take the swing early on pits. You could probably convince me that it's okay to take Andrews. I probably not something I'm willing to do in a startup. But like I pretty much I'm going to take pits and if I don't get that, I'm going to wait till about round 11 10 where I can get Noah Fant and I'll start there. Noah Fant, Alberto, um Hunter Henry, David and Joku, the top 24 tight ends, and I want to get about four top 24 tight ends later, right? In a startup, that's my strategy. Get the pit style and then backfill with some depth or just wait and give me four of the top 24s. Now, here's the thing. I'll say this, Mike. In startup, I would never do this because of the cost. But an auction based on how people spend their money and if it's a a tight end premium league, based on people blowing their loads and you kind of can leverage your money, One thing I am more interested in in best ball, especially is I'm not going to call it a tight end horde because that's not really what it is. But like you said, right, if you're going to do this in an auction for me, I'm very interested in doing this where I'm getting two of the top five. So if I can get a Waller and a Pitts, a Waller and Andrews, a Waller and Kelsey, Waller and Kittle, any one of those five, if I can get two of those, I'm going to do that if I can get it for the right price in auction. I would never do it in startup because you have to pay two picks in the top five. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of that in an auction, if I have to, I'll go, once again go to the backfill of four of the top 24 tight ends. But I think the thing is this, Mike, in, in auction, if I can get two of those top five at a real good value, people will come pay for those top five. But what you already hit on is do not do this strategy for the Hawkinsons, the goddard's the friar muse the knox because they do not carry the trade value that that will end up burning you so i think that that would be the thing for me based on auction or startup the way i'm really looking at the tight end position in best ball
0: yeah i don't know how many times in lineup leagues where i'm like oh i got fant and goddard and friar muse and hawkinson like somebody's gonna come calling for them they never do (laughs) they they don't give a shit even in best ball man I don't think people care. Like, just give me some crusties. I'll be fine. I'm not going to pay you for your T.J. Hawkinson. What you want? No. So no I'm good.
1: But but the market is there in tight end premium for the true stud top five guys. Those those are the ones that
0: people will come pay for. The difference makers. So generally, let's put a nice bow on it for me. What I would say, like if I'm in a a traditional snake draft startup right now for best ball, Adam say start 11 right we'll just go a nice easy number start 11 i'm gonna prioritize in the draft trading back and getting multiple assets but let's say that for whatever reason that's not available to you i'm gonna go quarterbacks then i'm gonna go those like mid-tier running backs Kyle Pitts is going to be in there somewhere in the first round depending on where i pick is like a priority um like if i'm picking at the 110 Like you you kind of mentioned, I'm probably outside of the range of elite quarterback. Kyle Pitts would be the play for me. If I'm in the range where I'm picking earlier in the draft, the elite quarterback is going to be the play for me. Over, this is a a change for me, over a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Yes. I'm going to go with the Joe Burrow or the Lamar Jackson over Jonathan Taylor, which seems so fucking weird for me to say. But after doing this research, I'm like, man, I i'm good man like jonathan taylor's a stud i love him i'm a running back kind of guy at heart but i see the value in the elite quarterback so let me go ahead with the elite quarterback round two then you're hopefully you can get a second quarterback like a russell wilson so a guy like right on the fringe which is where i'd go but if not i'm gonna go the running back spot round three Again, still looking quarterback, but I'm probably looking at running back more than likely because I'm kind of getting out of that range of guys that I really like a quarterback. Let me just get some turds a little bit later, just some fillers. Uh, round four, running back. Round five, running back. And then like round six, seven, eight, nine, I'm looking to start getting all the wide receivers that I can and then just backfilling my other positions with like the older running backs, the... Um, the, the the filler quarterback, you know, like my third, the fourth one, and then them double-digit rounds, baby, rounds 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, the rounds that start getting super gross, those are where I'm really going to hammer home wide receivers and tight ends. Like, if I didn't go tight end early, Kyle Pitts early, I'm going for the the Fance and the Guseckis, like the guys I named off, but also those wide receivers that we're talking about, you know, the Boyds, the, the Jacoby Myers, these guys who – Have these nice floors, maybe not the spike weeks, but I'm just looking for solid production week in and week out. If everything comes out right, Adam, I'm still walking away with all my firsts, all my draft capital. I'm gonna go trade that for more crusty guys that people don't value when I can. Preferably, like, man, if I got Josh Allen, I'm exploring like what you had mentioned, like, maybe I go down one tier from Josh Allen and pick up another piece. And then maybe I really lean into that five QB kind of strat, that six QB crusty strat. And I go from that guy to an, you know another one. And I just keep going down the list and down the list until I'm just overloaded with assets. But generally that's how I'm going to approach a startup if I'm looking to win now. Now on the converse side, what you had mentioned highly beneficial if you can be that guy who's like, yeah, I'll trade out around one. Let me get your couple first and maybe a piece, piece added on. And then let me try to do the same thing in the second round. And let me just tank the living piss out of this thing. And then next year I'm coming for all your (laughs) throats, Every one of you, I'm coming for everybody. (laughs) And you're not going to like it.
1: Yeah, and I think especially, man, if you can, on the rebuild side, if you can multiply assets, like if you're trading out of players that are studs and you're getting, whether it's picks or players, three pieces back and you keep doing that, you're just going to have so much depth. Um, One thing you hit on, Mike, which is uh, what I kind of wanted to get to before we get out of here is when you start thinking about, okay, if you're in a startup and it's one of these, you can't trade back and trade out of picks, right? The, the way I kind of think about it as we've gone through this exercise, Mike, is this. The positions that are the most scarce, and what I mean by that is this, right? At quarterback, pretty much you're going to have, even when you get to the shitter shitters, like you're going to have 32 guys that are playing the large majority, 90 plus percent of snaps at quarterback, right? So to me, like you want to get the quarterbacks earlier because. Even at running back, like you can get all the way up to round 10, 11. You can get your Pollard's, you know, Kareem Hunt's, as gross as it is, Chase Edmonds, Stevenson's that can give you weeks, right? You're not getting those type dudes really in at quarterback and, and uh, startups. So, like, for example, Mike, I just looked at this as, as I'm looking at Adigo's ADP. If I'm at the 101 spot, think about this for a second. If you just took the ADP, so if you ADP says 101, I'm taking Josh Allen. 212, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. 301, I'm taking tra- uh, Matthew Stafford. I can be done at quarterback now. That's round right. four, round five, round four and round five. I'm going to probably go those Acres, ETNs, Bar- Barclays, Gibson. I mean, as gross as it is, like uh, Montgomery, and then seventh, even you can get Jacobs, and then like that round I'm going to go running backs and then 8th 7th I mean you're talking from there till round 12 honestly you're talking really good players at wide receiver you can go all the way there and then obviously at round 11 down to round 16 you're going to fill tight ends before it gets too far out and you're going to backfill with all the receivers later and like I think the way that's a simple way to think about it because When you get down to past round nine, Mike, you're talking either shit or territory for quarterback or quarterbacks that you don't even know if they're going to start the whole season. So if you have the opportunity to secure them early in a startup where you can't trade out of picks and then you go running back and then you go wide receiver tight end. Like, I think that's actually a pretty optimal strategy.
0: I love it, man. I love it. I think that'll put a, a, a nice bow on the in-depth look at best ball. We're still going to have more best ball content coming at you throughout the year. Um, we keep it mixed up, but it's becoming a huge passion for us and a lot of people that we associate with. Uh, so we really want to dive into the, the strategy aspect and, and make people some damn money. And if you like what we're talking about here, come check us out, patreon.com slash South Harmon. Get you in the discord. We've got annual memberships now. We, we've actually made it a full year where Patreon says, hey, we'll let you start charging for a whole year if you want, so come in, you pay your dollar for the whole year, get 10% off because you signed up for the annual membership, but the Discord's always popping. I think we're gonna be making a, a, a best ball channel over there <laughs> with all this in-depth strategy, but you're in these startups, you're making deals in your best ball leagues, great place to come and ask for advice real time, tag us, we respond. and. If we can't get to you right away, we got a community of hundred and some strong now, hundred and some people, man. Sometimes the discord chat just keeps popping off more than I can keep up with. So a lot of really smart tapped in people doing a lot of cool stuff. But Adam, I think that's it for this episode, man. You get hit that outro there. The famous, the world famous ATM outro. We'll catch you guys all next week.
1: And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess
0: it sounds so good on these new mics (laughs) that's gonna do it for us we're out of here peace